Lord, some of us need to know that truth, even this morning, that you're a God who watches, a God who keeps, a God who cares. And sometimes things happen to us that make us ask the question, do you care? I pray that even in these moments of worship, through the power of the word of Jesus Christ, those who need it most will find your healing um, prescription for anxiety, for fear, for troubled souls. I pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Some time ago, we were landing at Ontario Airport in Southern California during uh, some extreme Santa Ana winds, and I had the earphones on listening to the pilot talk to the tower, and I was hearing all the dialogue, particularly about warning about wind shear, and I know enough about that to make me a little bit on edge. And I need to tell you that for a few moments, while that plane was literally being bounced around like a feather, my faith wasn't working. In fact, I was scared to death. A commercial pilot friend of mine in our church had told me uh, quite often, he teaches a class for people afraid of flying. He says, no plane has ever really been lost strictly due to turbulence. Well, I, I tried to remember his words in those moments, but I need to tell you they didn't help. I was still terrified. And this experience raised a question germane to our text today. It's an issue common to many believers, when we're honest. Why doesn't our trust in God work for some of us when the chips are down, when we're in scary situations, when things overwhelming are happening to us, why doesn't our faith work? Why are we still frightened like those disciples in the boat when the storm was raging and they thought they were going to sink even if Jesus was with them? So this leads me to ask a question this morning. What turbulence is tossing your life around today? What circumstances are causing your soul to surge with anxiety? And is your trust in God working? And if not, what are you going to do about it? I want to have a study of these familiar words of Jesus, but perhaps going in from a deeper dimension today. And I would call these words from our Lord in his Sermon on the Mount, his prescription for anxiety in the life of a believer. And first we note in the text that Jesus commands, he doesn't suggest it's not an option, he's commanding his followers not to be anxious. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Here's the issue. Immediately, I want to ask, how does one command another not to be anxious, not to be afraid, not to worry? If someone had been sitting next to me at that airplane, in the airplane, when I was being tossed around, they could have told me till we landed, don't be nervous, don't be frightened. But I would still be nervous. Telling somebody not to be anxious, it seems to me to be futile. And yet that's what Jesus is doing in the text. Anxiety reactions are almost involuntary. So what is Jesus saying? I would suggest that like every command in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is defining a standard of conduct that's impossible for any believer to achieve in our own strength. There's not one command in the entire sermon any of us keep every week perfectly. The point is that even though Jesus commands us not to worry, um, what that command leads us to is a knowledge. We need his grace and we need his presence because we, most of us are worriers. Life is overwhelming and the only possible good news in this text is that Jesus is offering us a new leverage against anxiety. Because here are the facts about anxiety in the life of many of us. 
Even though Jesus says not to worry, we do worry. We are anxious about many things and with good reason. Any thinking person could say this is a scary world. Bill Cosby's son gets shot on a freeway that I used to drive every day. Why doesn't John Madden fly? Uh, it's a scary world. I'm, I'm a Christian. You hear me preach Easter sermons every year. I'm confident about eternal life. I really believe when I die, I'll be with Jesus. But the, last week, I contracted a cold. My nose was all stopped up in the middle of the night. My chest was rattling. And in the middle of the night, I was convinced I had pneumonia and I was probably going to die. And again, I was scared to death. And then I thought, Lord, I'm not going to preach on anxiety anymore because every time I preach on it, I have to experience it. And here I am, Braveheart, in the middle of the night, standing up in front of the people next Sunday to tell them not to be anxious. That's honest. It's humiliating, but it's honest. And I, I struggle with this text. Well, last week with the elders, here's a new dimension. We raised this deeper issue about anxiety. Not every Christian is prone to be anxious. When we were making that bumpy landing in Ontario, my wife happened to be with me and she was reading her book. And she never looked up. And when we landed and we came to a stop, I was in a sweat and she kind of looked at me and said, what's wrong? She hadn't really even noticed we were going through anything. Living with a woman like that's a challenge. Um, I, I really don't think it's fair that some of us are afflicted with anxiety reactions to life and other believers are not. And we found in the elders that this was true. God has a way of bringing people together. Uh, one is a worrier and the other doesn't know what worry is and they spend a lifetime trying to understand each other. Call it um, genes or environment. I believe we're wired differently. And there are many like myself, worry warts, who make this text very complex. Because is Jesus only talking to those who are wired with a predisposition to anxiety? And what about those for whom it's no struggle? Anxiety for some of us is like a thorn in the flesh that Paul, the apostle, asked God to remove from his life. I know it's a thorn in my flesh. And remember God's answer? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And therefore, Paul concluded, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And here I think we're getting now maybe an insight into this text that gives us more than a guilt reaction because Jesus said, don't be anxious, but I am anxious, so we kind of live with attention. Here's my conclusion after years of preaching on this subject. <coughs> Anxiety is a common enemy for many Christians, but not all Christians. And Jesus is not commanding us to get rid of anxiety in our own strength. He's not promising to take problems away so we don't have to be anxious anymore. When Jesus commands us not to worry, he's revealing a marvelous truth. Because he has promised to provide for the needs of those who trust him, we no longer need to be victims of our anxiety responses. We no longer need to live passively with this enemy any longer, feeling helpless in front of it. It's in our lives, but it doesn't have control anymore because Jesus is there and he's offering us leverage against us, against anxiety. And that leads here to a second truth. Anxiety in the life of a believer is offset 
by the leverage that God will provide supernaturally for those who trust him, doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And when that finally penetrates our brain, it gives us power to, to at least cope with anxiety. Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his splendor was not dressed like one of these. Oh, you of little faith. So don't worry. Are you not, not much more valuable than they? This is so simple. God's just saying to us, if I care for the flowers and if I care for the grass, don't you think I'll care for you, my children? The Bible is full of promises about God's provision, and that should give us leverage against anxiety. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I will supply all your needs. Cast all your anxieties on me because I care about you. I have upheld you from birth, even to old age and gray hairs. I will sustain you. That's either the greatest truth in the world that should at least give us leverage to cope with anxiety or it's a myth and we ought to say it's a myth and, and quit talking about it. A believer breaks free from the power of anxiety when we appropriate these promises of God's provision into our thinking. It's a fact. Emotional responses, including anxiety, follow thinking patterns. One of the reasons that you come here every week for worship is we come here to saturate our thinking with truth, God's truth, to offset some of the fantasies and myths that we believe. I believe it's our responsibility to fill our minds with what the Bible promises God will provide for us to offset the voices of all those demons that feed our anxiety. Trusting God's provision during anxiety reactions can change our response from panic to trust. Now, this doesn't mean we won't feel anxious. It means anxiety won't paralyze us. It won't keep us from functioning. I believe some of us will have anxiety all of our lives as our thorn in the flesh. But its power to impact our behavior will decrease as we fill our minds with the adequacy of God's resources rather than simply moan about the inadequacy of our own resources. I've told you dozens of times about my fear of speaking in public. I will always be anxious about standing up and preaching, some weeks more so than others. But I have grown to where I know Jesus is with me, and that's not simplistic thinking, it's just a fact. He's with me so much so, <clears throat> my anxiety isn't a giant anymore. I don't let my anxiety keep me from functioning, to keep me from standing up here. I just do it, and he's with me, and it's there, but it's not an issue anymore. To the degree that I still preach, in spite of my involuntary fear reactions, I believe I am in obedience to this command in the text of Jesus not to worry. The rea reality is that I am no longer allowing anxiety to control my behavior. I'm functioning in spite of its presence in my life because I have a confidence God will provide. And that's all I need to know. Now, if that's ringing some familiar chimes in your heart, I want to list some ways just before we close that I believe worry, worry words like myself can appropriate God's provision to help us cope with anxiety. This provision that Jesus offers in the text. 
And I want to tell you, prayer is on top of my list. I'm absolutely a prayer fanatic. <clears throat> With all of my heart, I believe prayer is the alternative to panic. Listen to Paul. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a beautiful promise? I was reading in my 1996 prayer journal. I keep it on my computer. I, I recommend everybody keeps a prayer journal. And I was amazed looking back over 12 months at the faithfulness of God. I had taken countless crises to him, and he answered those prayers over and over again. I, it's just amazing. You even sometimes forget what you asked God for in February and what he answered in May, but you go back and it reminds you of those things. And then as you look into a new year, you realize, yes, God is up there. He is going to be faithful. I don't have to panic. A second way to appropriate God's cure for anxiety is to follow the advice our Lord gives in another text when he said, if we seek to save our lives, we're going to lose them. But if we lose our lives, we're going to find them. I have a friend who faces real challenges in her life. By some of our measures, she would have some real problems. But you know, they don't cause her to be anxious. And I, I'm always intrigued by her, her faith. And I've concluded that her secret is that her primary agenda in life is not to focus on her problems, but to find a human need and meet it. That woman adopted my wife's mom and dad in the final months that they lived in our home. And she was simply there for them, committing herself to make them happy, cracking jokes on day when, days when their spirits were low. She took them for rides in her car to the doctor on errands when they felt trapped in the house. She didn't have to. But Marie is a living parable that one cure for anxiety, one cure when your whole life seems to be one ball of fear, is to get your focus off your needs and focus on others. I believe that works with all my heart. That's the issue in becoming a contagious Christian, <clears throat> to demonstrate to a society that's filled with self-love that caring for others is a beautiful alternative. Because you see, people who are preoccupied with self are very anxious people. The supernatural cure is to get involved in somebody else's pain. And then a third way to appropriate this provision Jesus offers in our time of personal need is to adopt the discipline of living one day at a time. This is, the, I think, one of the best things Jesus ever said about anxiety. Jesus warns that every day has enough trouble so we don't allow tomorrow's issues to invade today. If I could just do that, that probably would do more about my own anxiety than anything else I could think about. Every person in recovery knows the strength of facing one day at a time. An alcoholic has no ability to think for a year I'm going to stay dry, but maybe I can today. You see, spacing life's burdens by carrying only what God intends us to carry today, living in day-tight compartments, knowing 95% of what we worry about never happens, <laughs> that can replace anxiety with the peace that Jesus wants to bring to your soul even this morning if a storm is raging inside there. Last week, I gave you this verse from Jeremiah. It's my favorite, and I give it to you often. It seems appropriate again today. Jeremiah the prophet gives us a summary of what the future holds for you if you're a believer. And it goes like this. I know the plans I have for you, for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. I have to believe some of you came here today with a storm in your heart, anxiety, wondering about tomorrow. What's God's answer? I know the plans I have for you. 
and they're for good and not for evil because I have a future for you and I want to give you a hope. That's why you're in church today. That's a beautiful foundation upon which to face the unknowns of this year. And so I wish for you today that peace that comes from trusting these words of Jesus and his promises. I wish for you the mind of Christ, giving this confidence that it's really true. His eye is on the sparrow, and if he cares about birds, he certainly cares about you. Let's bow in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for such a simple but profound answer to our anxious hearts. <coughs> Help us to hear it, to believe it, to apply it in our life that you care about sparrows and you care infinitely more about us in Jesus' name.